Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Tonight, I'm going to turn your attention to the book of Titus to begin. Titus chapter 1. In my preaching this evening, I will be giving honor to educators, whether you are a volunteer or an employee. As a full-time teacher, we honor you. We honor our teachers for instructing, whether it be at CCS, IBC, here in one of the Sunday school classrooms, Christian ministries areas, or if it be at a local school or a local university. We honor you for being a teacher. Someone said, what about our staff that are teachers at a secular university or in one of the local schools. We honor you for being a Holy Ghost-filled man or woman that is able to go and to educate in an environment to love students and to shine forth the light and the love of God. Amen? So we're going to honor teachers here tonight, but I'm going to bookend this thing by honoring teachers, and, and they'll get lumped in with everyone else here in a little bit. But we had a little party here yesterday for some people, and we celebrated a very worthy couple. And I want to say publicly how much we love and appreciate Brother and Sister Sluice for all of their years of work in our singles ministry. We love you. We honor you. This hand claps for you. Only heaven will really be able to tell. But we love them and we thank them for working in our singles ministry. And how many know that singles is a very vital, necessary ministry? Amen? Amen. Titus. Probably not drawn from as often as we could or should, but he only gave us three books, three chapters to work with. But it's a good, it's a good, it's a good book. It's a good letter. Paul's writing, verse 4, he said to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, verse 10 is where we're starting. He had told Titus that he was going to have to hold fast. And he starts to write in verse 10, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped. Wow! Paul. You know, before people could type harsh things, 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Keyboard ninjas. People that say things online they'd never say face to face. Let's move on. Whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses. Watch this teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Ugh. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars. <laughs> Evil beasts. Slow bellies. When's the last time you caught somebody a slow belly? You might have called them a big belly, but I don't know if you called them a slow belly. This witness is true. Wherefore, watch this, rebuke them sharply. Wow. Why? That they may be sound in the faith. Can't just teach whatever you want and call it right. Bunch of slow bellies. Yeah. Hmm. I'm using that this week on somebody. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments that turn from the truth. Fables that have been spoken with enough faith to try to make them real. Doesn't matter how many times you tell something fictional, it's still fictional at its origin. And commandments of men that what? That turn from the truth. Unto the pure. Many a person has used this line. Unto the pure all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God. Watch this. But in works, they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient. Isn't it something that abominable and disobedient hold hands in this Scripture? And every good work reprobate. I'm going to pull some more from the well of Titus, but I want us to preach because I would like to teach and preach here a little bit tonight on this thought. And it's simply the last part of Ephesians chapter 4. A scripture we'll look at here in just a little bit. And I would talk to you about not just apostles, prophets, evangelists, or pastors. But I'd like to preach and teachers. Because we need teachers. We need teachers. Would you lift your hands with me? Would you pray over our time together that I might be able to deliver the word as I feel. God, most importantly, might I be able to deliver the word that I feel like you have placed into my heart and my mind that I might somehow do justice to this cause. I pray that you would anoint every individual that's here, that you would bless and strengthen, that you would help us, oh God. Do a work in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Allow your word to come to life for us. 
that we would understand how important it really is in this day and age. Praise God, you may be seated tonight. Find somebody next to you and just tell them teachers matter. And if you're a teacher, you ought to say amen real loud right now. Any teachers here tonight been given an apple this year? Raise your hand if you were given an apple this year. That's kind of a thing of the past, right? Every now and then there's, there's always this one kid that, that really wants to get close to the teacher. He'll bring his bright, red, shiny apple in and set it. I've got to be honest, and I don't want to offend anybody, but if you bring me a red delicious, that's going to be lost on me. Unless you bring some caramel dip with it. The day the apple got a friend. Hey, praise God. I'll take an apple and caramel, hold the apple. Praise God. Started as a mean of respect in a time and a day and an age when apples were hard to come by. And there's history that I won't completely dive into. It would be a fun little read for you. But, you know, we get in routine of doing certain things. It's like that old illustration of the, the girl who went to make a ham and she cut the end off the ham. How many remember this? She got to thinking, why would I cut the end off this ham? Brother Matthew, she said, I don't even know why we do this. So she called her mom and said, Mom, why do we always cut the end off the ham? And her mom said, I don't know. That's just the way my mom did it. So she called up her mom, got on the phone with Grandma, said, hey, Mom, why would you, you cut the end off the ham? I just always watched you and did it. She said, because the pan wasn't big enough for the ham. <laughs> How many know that we need to make sure that what we're doing is what we should be doing? It makes sense when we're in our church services. We don't just clap because we've seen others. We don't shout just because we've heard others. We don't dance just because we have witnessed others. It has to be more than a learned mimic. I'm going to say that again. And yes, I warn you in advance, I may be a little slower than normal tonight. It needs to be more than a learned mimic of what we've seen. There should be depth to our praise. There should be depth to our relationship with God. If pedagogy or something we would say more in academic circles, if it's if it truly is the method or the practice of teaching, that means it matters from the earliest of ages to the most mature situation where an individual is being taught or educated. Our conception of truth determines our pedagogy. I'm going to say that again. Our conception of truth determines... Why do we come to church faithfully? Because our concept of truth dictates that teaching. And it causes a response in us. We don't come to church to avoid a call from the ministry staff. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, maybe not them, but I don't want to call it this week. I why do we come to the house of God? Because it is in this house where we learn, we worship, 
We are educated. We don't talk about this enough. The church needs to be a place of Christian education. How many... Brother Healy and I are in great agreement on this in revolving around family ministries and our children. We don't want to just show up and take a shot. How about we bring all these 250, 300 kids in, let's bring them all in and then let's just wing it. Nobody here wants that. You don't expect that of your school. Nobody here that's gone to college or university expects to get there and have the professor look at them and say, what do you want to talk about today? I want to talk about the money I spent on this class. I expect there to be a map of curriculum that you would teach us to learn. There's a reason why Brother Kilman, I, I wouldn't hand one of these guys on the front row. I might hand them Dr. Seuss, but I don't think that I'd hand them D.A. Carson. Probably don't want any of these little guys to try to read through exegetical fallacies. They'd look at me like it was Chinese. But yet, shouldn't we be able to give it to some of our college students or to some of our ministers? Isn't there an expectation that in our Christian walk we develop? Please stay with me for a second. Isn't there an expectation, not from me, but from the Lord, that we develop? That we educate ourselves in the Word? If you are a grown adult, and it is still easier for you to quote lines to a movie than Scriptures, because, because the Bible is only what you do at church, then you have stopped being educated in the Word of the Lord. I'm going to do my very best, whether it be on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, to teach and preach and deliver from the Word. But how many know that every time we leave, it's like we carry a doggy bag out of here with us? There's more than we can ever consume in one sitting. And how many have also found that if you will make this a part of your everyday life, there is substance in this Word. There is strength in this Word. There is rich feeding in this Word. But the problem in any situation and circumstance is there will be lazy people who want to turn fables into truths. And Paul said, Titus, listen, boy. Hear me clearly. You're going to have to speak the truth against it. I'm going to make a statement right now that I hope everybody will agree with. And if not, at least make me think you agree with it. If we have ever needed sound biblical teaching, it is right now. <clears throat> If we have ever needed a powerful children's ministry, it is right now. If we've ever needed Christian education, right now. If we have ever needed a Bible college, it is right now. If we've ever needed to gather in on Wednesdays and break open the bread, 
Pastor Carson, you're just going from segment to segment. Because at every level, we have never been in a place where we more vitally needed to open up and be educated from this word. And I'm just going to tell you right now, we cannot do this in a few settings a week. We must fall in love with the word of God. Lest, please hear me, lest I love it, I cannot defend it. Lest I love it, I cannot defend it. My greatest defense, I might get in trouble. My greatest defense should not be based on the quotes of some Trinitarian preacher. I thank God for the education of other books. I got a big library, it's digital and it's physical and it's continuing to grow. But I have never found a book. I have never found a book that holds the authority, the power, the strength, the undeniable, unshakable, unpenetrable strength of this, of this book. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I need a lot of things, but I don't need anything more than I need this book. Hear me right now. Our children need a lot of things, but they don't need anything more than they need this Word. I would rather you buy their clothes at Goodwill and get them a good Bible. I know this won't be popular. I'm going to just preach it anyway. We've got to get our kids. I'm going to look away from the kids. We've got to get our kids away from where PS4 is their babysitter and where Xbox is their educator. And I know some of you are not going to like this. I don't mean it. We've got to keep things in balance and in moderation. But they cannot be educated by Disney all the time. Come on, men and women of God. We've got to get it as frontlets between our eyes. It's got to be the Word of God. Why do we preach the oneness of God? Because it is the, it is the Shema, Israel. Hear, oh, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Our kids got to know that. Kids, you got to know that. Listen to pastor. Look at me, guys. You've got to know that. You've got to know that there is one Lord. There is one faith and there is one baptism. Repeat after me. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Somebody said, man, that guy wants to indoctrinate them. You're right. You're right. But I don't want to indoctrinate them with my word. I want to indoctrinate them with doctrine. With, with doctrine. And we tried to act like some things didn't matter. Some of us 10 and 15 years ago tried to bat our eyes and smile at Disney things like Hannah Montana. Now 
I'm not one for calling names publicly. You know that. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is deception in the world. It is deceiving and it is fables that want us to think it does not matter. But I'm here to preach to you. It does matter. It does matter. It matters what we put in our eyes. It matters what we put in our mind. It matters what we get in our spirit. Let's let's just read a little more text so I can calm down. Go to Titus. You may be seated or stand or whatever. Go to chapter 2. Titus 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. I've got a homework assignment for every parent and every grandparent in this room. Speak sound doctrine in your home. Speak sound doctrine. Man, I sound like an old school preacher right now, don't I? Speak sound doctrine in your home. When your feet touch the floor in the morning, let them touch the floor knowing we are not going to be an ungodly home. We are not going to be an unrighteous home. Because they're being taught fables in the education system of their school. I'm talking about it right now as we're about to close into summer break and some of the teachers are like, thank you, Jesus. And some of the parents are like, oh, Jesus. Can I say something? I hope so, because I'm going to. Just because it gets hot outside doesn't mean our doctrine subsides. Just because the sun comes out doesn't mean our holiness goes out the window. Sound doctrine. That's not hard preaching, that's word preaching. Summer sun can't turn you into somebody you're not. Paul told Titus, he said, they got the word, but they don't have the works. They got the word. Their works just make me question if they do. They quote what they will not live. They shout to what they will not support. Verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Well, it's spring, so I'm going to cash in Sunday evenings on the golf course. I would come to church, but I got too much homework. Sorry, is this too honest? Come on now. (laughs) I need it. The aged women, likewise. Women. 
sweet, sweet ladies of the Lord, I try to never start a sentence with the aged women. <laughs> My mama raised me better than that. He was being respectful. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. What are you saying? He's saying, hey, elders, continue to be an example because you're still educating us. Elders, I want to talk to you right now. If I, as a pastor, have ever needed you, the incredible legacy of Brother Mooney, the incredible legacy of Brother Urshan, move it. Move it backwards and let me speak on behalf of these men, which I know they would endorse what I'm about to say. Elders, we need you to be sound in the faith. Listen, what you were instructed from the Word. Okay? Now, I know if I shout this, if I yell it, if I say it at just the right cadence, everybody would clap and respond. But I'm going to slow it down to make sure everybody really catches what I say. If it was sin, it is sin. I'm not talking about pastoral preference. I'm not talking about some little personal... I'm talking about sin. If it did separate you from God, it's still. Some of you have already lived through midlife crisis time. Okay? Some of you ladies, you've already lived through hot flashes. Come on, I'm talking about real things. I've sat in a lot of meetings with people in the real middle of a real midlife crisis that were questioning everything. It's only a midlife crisis if you let it. There has never been a greater time, elders, for you precious, gray-haired elders, men and women of God. Some of you have lost spouses along the way. Some of you, unfortunately, have even lost children along the way. But you're still here. And I need to tell you that for this generation of young people and this generation of small children, we have never needed you like we need you right now to say that the truth the truth of God is unwavering and it is not something that fades with the wind. I wonder if there is an elder in this room that would say, I'm still glad that I made the decision to follow Jesus. Thank you, Sister Golden. Thank you, Brother Gwaltney. Thank you, Brother Cunningham. Here's the deal. I know it's been a long time, but it hasn't been too long. It hasn't been long 
enough. Brother Kilman, there's no life like the life living for Jesus Christ. Brother Williams, I know there's been heartache. I know there's been pain. I know there's been sickness. But at the end of the day, living for Jesus, living for Jesus is the best. It's the best life. I'm not saying it's easy because life isn't easy. But it's worth it. Brother East, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it to live for him? Brother Armado, you've been through some hard times, haven't you? You've suffered some loss and, and dealt with some issues. But he's a, he's a regular confidant. I, I talk to him multiple times a week. Watch him walking around this place. He's constantly working and constantly going to the hospital for me and praying for people. And he's really not doing it for me. He's doing it as unto the Lord. He's working for God. How is it possible that after all these years, because Brother Armado, you have found out and you've even talked to me privately, there's nothing like living for the Lord. There's nothing if you're an elder that believes this I want you to throw both your hands towards heaven right now and I want you to just worship God brother Anderson Worked for God for how many decades? I don't even know. And you've had to suffer through sickness and pain and turmoil. You've had to deal with health issues. You've had to deal with family crisis. You've had all these different things where some people would say, well, surely he'll give up on living for the Lord now. Surely he won't continue to try to educate young people about what it means to be righteous. Surely he won't try to continue to teach. But you found something along the way. You have found a truth that my worst day living for God is better than my best day not living for God. God. There's nothing. I tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a Christian education. An education that reminds me that this life will soon pass. And there's nothing like living for God. I ask you a question. Where would we be without the Lord? Where would I go? Oh, where would? Anybody remember that old song? Needing a refuge for my soul. Mm, mm, mm. Needing a friend. <laughs> where would I go? But who was raised on something like that besides me? Anybody? Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. And I'm finding more power than I. Ha! Ah! That's what was sung into me as a child. That's what was taught into me as a child. Pastor, how you standing here preaching? Because grandma pulled me up on her knee and said, baby, don't you ever walk away from God. There's gonna be times you want to. There's gonna be times that you desire to. And there might be pleasure for a season, but there's no life like a life that is lived for the Lord. 
I want this younger generation to hear me right now. You hear me. You fall in love with truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Verse 4, that, that they may teach the young women to be sober and to love their husbands. I could preach the rest of the night on that. Husbands, act like you love your wife. Wife, act like you love your husband. That's a godly principle, right? Love one another. Teach them to love their children. You cannot tell me you love a child you refuse to teach truth to. Whew. Come on, is this all right? Is this all right? It's all right. Teach them. Somebody shout, teach them. Teach them. Love their children. Teach them to be discreet. Chaste. Woo. Keepers at home. Good. I love that he just put good. <laughs> Obedient to their own husbands. That th we still believe that? We still believe that the man is the priest of the home? So some of y'all got nervous right there. You, you got to be the priest of your home without her being your doormat. We love one another. We model it in the home. It's respect one for another. Why? Because our babies are watching. Our children are watching. Most likely they will one day model in their marriage what they... Mm. that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Whew. Isn't that something? Talks about the young women. Next verse talks about the young men. Let me show you what I think is the result of education. I wouldn't embarrass her for anything, little Skylar. Love this little girl. She's been dealing with some stomach issues. Think they've got this found out a little bit regulated. But last two weeks ago on a Friday night, they were headed to a youth rally. And they stopped by the house. A whole group of young people stopped by the house. They're going to show you a picture. Brother, Brother Jake Ranking sent me this. Him and Sister Rochelle, they're going to show you a picture of these, these kids outside. I think they've got it. They showed up to say hi. He said, next thing you know. Where's Brother Jake? He told me. He said... All these teenagers are in the front yard praying in tongues. Praying. He said, I got neighbors pushing strollers. <laughs> he said, people were just stopping and looking. They weren't running away. They were observing. Can I tell you? <laughs> it's always been the intention of God that young people... I'm going to tell you something right now. That is not meant to be the anomaly. That is the plan of God. That is the plan of God. That young men and young women say, I know what we'll do, we'll pray. We'll pray. We'll pray. We'll pray. 
Yes. What we cannot do is be embarrassed of who we are. Sister Collins, we cannot be embarrassed that we are people of prayer. Brother Morgan, you work with these young Bible quizzers. We can't be embarrassed that we expect kids to memorize scriptures. We live in a world where it's okay if they dress up like Harry Potter. They would rather your kid dress up like a wizard for school than a... There is less chance of them being asked to... My God, I'm getting into... There is a work of spiritual darkness that has infiltrated our world and our education system. We must be clear, whether in Christian school, public school, Bible college, secular university, our geography does not determine our belief. This word determines what we believe. So whether it's in the middle of the altar or whether it's in the front lawn at their house, we are people of prayer. Why? Because that's what we have been educated to do. How many know they wouldn't have shown up there and started praying in the front lawn had they not been educated to do so? You don't accidentally become a prayer warrior. You don't wake up one day and be like, he's just a prayer warrior now. It is an educational process. No more than a student sits down and is able to read. For them to sit down and be able to read. How many of your parents remember the first time that they were able to read a full sentence? Remember how excruciating it was getting there? How many of your parents, you, you couldn't help yourself. You had to help them with like every word. Eh, eh. And, and, it's and, it's and. Cat, it's cat, it's cat, it's cat. How many parents know you learn patience? You learn patience. And, <laughs> but then remember how proud you are the first time they sat there and read the whole? Proud for. Listen to him read. My baby's a genius. Just, just, just my baby. Want to have him read in front of people? Here, read, read, read. Read that same little book you've read. They've read a hundred times. Read, read, read. Tell you every word without even looking at the book. Read, read. <laughs> and how do people make so much money writing children's books anyway? You ever bought a children's book? Pay $15, $20 for a book that has like seven words in the whole book. <laughs> but they started, they walked into, they walked in some classroom and the teacher, they were sitting there in there and they were trying not to fiddle and they were playing and a little ADHD kid was all over the place and this one here and, and everybody and the teacher's pointing up. Anybody remember some of you older ones? I don't know if they still do this, that, that little stick that they'd point up to the alphabet. Remember the alphabet that would circle the whole room, the whole... I love that. And the alphabet that have the little, like the little worm coming out of some of the stuff. And, and we get to the little, A says. Yeah. You know why you know that? You were educated. You were at. 
says for not cat. You got to go back to school. I don't know who said it. If you just stretch your hands towards this section over here. For kite. Some of y'all got it. K says for kite. And we get there. Remember having to teach them short and long? Remember? Remember the first time you learned that if there was a line over it? That's long. No, no, no. And you remember the same thing with your kids at home. They're reading and you wanted to just go through and draw all those little like. It's not a kit. It's a kite. See, there's an E at the end. There's an E. So an E at the end makes that vowel long. What's a vowel? Okay. A-E-I-O-U. Sometimes Y. Um, and English language is tough. It is. You know how many twos there are? Two, two. How about through? There. Oh. How about the guy who came up with the spelling of Colonel? Let's talk to him. Sound it out. Sound it out. You sound it out. Shakespeare. Education. It's the process. It's the line upon line, precept upon. It's the vowel working with continents. It's the formulation. And you go from two-letter words to three-letter words, from three to four, from four to five, from five. And you build a vocabulary. And with that vocabulary, you are able to articulate. Hopefully with grammatical correctness. And not slang stupidity. But we take it all, don't we? We take it all. Some of us that still teach, we grade it all. What is the process? It's so that when we get the chance, we know what to do. I said so that when we get the chance, we know what to do. So what are we called to do? Matthew 28 and 19, if you'd be so kind as to put it on the screen. It's what we have been doing for the last month of Wednesdays. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now if you take that at simple face value with no teaching, then you think that that itself is the model. But the teaching reveals to you that that model is descriptive in the early church. And the only way they ever baptized them was in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, which was the name of Jesus Christ. You know what the problem with most of our world is? They are biblically illiterate. Biblical illiteracy leads to eternal damnation. And I know that's a strong statement, but these are strong times we're living in. And here's my question. If we don't teach, who will? Ladies and gentlemen, filled with the Holy Ghost, if we don't teach the nature of God, the divine truth of God. Who do we think will? So we're teaching it. We're trying to teach it. I think they have a little video clip they're going to help me with. This is what's happening in Wednesday nights.
Look at all those generations mixed in there. <laughs> okay, did you notice that there were some preteens singing to the younger kids? Isn't that something? Here's, here's something I think we all know. You don't have to be 30 to be able to minister. I'm going to mess with some of you right now. The average age of the disciple was probably about 16. <laughs> we got to do something and we got to do it now. We've got to do something and we've got to do it now. I love talking... I love talking to young adults because often one of the things I talk about with a group of young adults is I walk into the scenario, that 25 to, to 35 range, and I say, well, how does it feel to be a peer of Christ? Talk about sobering. What are we doing with, at every age and every level, there is something we can, could, and should be doing with educating the generation coming behind us. Because we are always only one generation removed. We are always only one generation removed. That's why one of my greatest, one of my greatest preaching points in the last nine or ten months has been we must have multi-generational revival. I, yes, I want a church that has a vibrant kids ministry, but not at the sake of our elders ministry. I want a church that has a vibrant marriage ministry, but not at the sake or to the expense of our singles ministry. We need at every age, at every level, from the most seasoned elders to the newest believers, whether they be children, preteen, teen, young adult, college and career, Understand the way that the sequence keeps going? There should always be something you're reaching to and someone you're reaching for. And the link should always be tied together with the truth of the Word of God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Show that clip from CCS. Show that clip from... Your mighty Lord God. Your mighty Lord God. Elders were having coffee downstairs and a prayer meeting had broke out in the class. That's Brother and Sister Ransom. Where's Brother Barkus? Somebody got the Holy Ghost, I think, in this class. Is that right? Brother Barkus, am I right on that? Somebody got the Holy Ghost in a schoolroom? Somebody got the Holy Ghost in a classroom? Don't tell me where God can and where God cannot move. Listen to me. Brother Barkus, you and me, we're just going to talk here in front of everybody. We got a lot of things to work on, don't we? <laughs> we're working every week. We got a lot of things to figure out. Trying to get our, do our very best. But we got some great teachers. We got, we got people that want to do right. And we've got some great students. And we don't got it all figured out. But anybody here that, that works in another school or your kids go to, you know they don't got it all figured out either. As long as you go anywhere with people, there's going to be problems. People equal 
problems. It's just true. We don't have it all together. But I will tell you this. I thank God for the Holy Ghost being poured out at our school. I thank God that we're being challenged. Listen, we're being challenged. Said Pastor Carson, are there things to do at CCS? Absolutely. There's There's teachers that got to do better. There's students that got to do better. There's parents that got to do better. But there's a God that can't do any better. I'm going to say that again. There's a God that can't do any better. And if we will continue to strive for excellence. If we'll strive for excellence. He can do it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have any video clips, but I, I, I want to for next year when we celebrate. I, I should have brought a couple. I've got where P7 clubs have broke out in our secular schools, and I don't have any here. But I want to challenge any of our students that are, you don't maybe attend CCS. And you, I, I want to say something right now, too. It is not a either you go to CCS or you don't fit in. You hear me right now. That is inaccurate. That is inaccurate. If you're a teacher, we honor you and the work you do. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And if you're a student that goes to another school, that has no bearing on your efficiency or effectiveness in this group. But here's what I am going to challenge, not just our CCS, but our other school students. We want you in your junior highs and high schools starting Bible clubs. Yes, we do. Yeah, nobody else at my school does that. It's why you're there. It's why you're there. If you're there, I want you to treat it like a mission field. Say, well, Pastor Carson, I don't know if that can happen. False. Isn't that what you guys say? False. False. It can happen. And if it couldn't happen, I wouldn't have already been on about 30 or 40 of those P7 clubs calls where I'm watching. You know how many junior highs and high schools I've walked into that I was the old balding guy walking into the school. But when I would walk in, there would be a classroom full of kids. Is Sydney Sydney here tonight? I, I should have had this done. She might. I see you. Wave. Stand up and wave. Sydney, is it true or not, when you, were in, when you were in high school, did I or did I not come multiple times and sit down in that high school and we'd open up the Word of God and we'd talk to those students? It's not an accident that you're here at Bible College right now, Sydney, because before you were ever at Bible College, you were opening up your Bible in your regular public high school. And for people that think that's odd, that's not odd. That's the will of God. Our secular schools cannot be strongholds against the doctrine. One of my favorite memories, one of my favorite memories would be to walk into Woodridge, walk into that school there in Northeast Ohio. Brother Matthews, I'd walk in with a flip chart. How cool is that? You know what made it cool? I had candy. Walk in with a flip chart and candy. Brother Titus, I can remember walking into Woodridge and I'd sit down in that gymnasium. I am not exaggerating. Hundreds of kids, not churched, not private school. They'd come running for the candy, but I'd break the bread with them. 
Why? Because this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we do. This is what we teach in every avenue and in every area. We post it when our little babies, they're just so little. They, they, they came to church in your womb. Right? Some of you found out that your infants slept better at church than they did anywhere. It's like coming home. Some of you look like you were turning them into a milkshake, worshiping during church. Just... And don't we love, we post the little pictures when they're just the littlest thing. And, and we say, pray. Why don't you pray? Should I... Come on, you know it. We love it. You put that on Instagram, it's going to get liked to death. But it's more than cute. It must be our culture to teach and to train. I've got a bunch of pictures. I'm not going to take the time to show them. I've got a bunch of pictures of IBC kids there praying. You kids that are at Bible college, got graduation this next weekend. I don't know how it's possible. About to leave for the summer. I want to tell you right now, you hear, you hear me. Don't leave Bible college for the summer and let anybody talk lesser of the education you're getting. Or let anybody make you feel as though you're lesser for where you're going to university. You hear me right now. Some are called to be doctors, nurses, lawyers, contractors. I understand that. So if you're going to go to IU, IUPUI, you go to Purdue, you go. If you can be saved, and you can, I'm not saying is it possible. I'm asking is it possible for you? But you can be saved. And you can be an apostolic witness. And if that were not true, I would not have been gathering for the last seven years at CMI Awakening with chapter leaders from all. It is the closest thing to a teenage version of because of the times I've ever been to. Where campus leaders, apostolic young adults that are leading campuses on their secular universities come together. I mean, they're baptizing them in swimming pools. Praying them through to the Holy Ghost in coffee shops. Why? Because this is who we are. But you Bible college students hear me. Because you're about to leave Bible college. You are not lesser. Your education is not lesser. If you were going to be a doctor, we can't do that. I'm going to be very honest with you. Brother Kilman, one of my favorite teachers, good teacher. But I don't want anyone you trained opening me up. I don't want to look at any surgeon and say, where did you learn? And them say, well, I took holiness with Bob Kilman. I'm going to say, take your holiness and your wholeness and go out the room and find me somebody who knows what a scalpel is. But if you're called to be a preacher, if you're called to be a missionary, if you're called to be an apostolic music artist, if you know that you are called, mm, mm, 
There are many of you up here that you've already got a secular education and then you came to Bible college because that's part of your calling. Do you know that in this balcony right now we have students who are already licensed in education? You're not lesser, you're apostolic. Man, here's what I'm saying, Calvary Tabernacle. Thank God for the teachers. Thank God for the teachers that from the youngest of age, who, who works in our nursery? Who work, stand up if you work in our nursery. Thank you. Thank you for holding our babies. Thank you for praying over our children. Thank you. Thank you for singing godly songs over them. Right? Aren't you glad you don't have a nursery where they're putting Beyonce on? Some kind of foolishness? We love our nursery workers not just because we get to escape. <laughs> I saw somebody drop off a child this morning and the child was screaming, screaming. And they just said, it's okay. <laughs> Calvary, from nursery to nursing home, we've got to be people that teach truth. From nursery to nursing home, we've got to be people that teach the truth. If you're an educator in any form, if you're a teacher, I'm asking you to stand. If you teach at the Bible College, if you teach at CCS, if, you, if you're an educator even here in the Christian ministries, one of our teachers here for what we might traditionally call Sunday school, if you're, would you please stand? Please stand. If you teach at one of our universities here in town, if you teach at one of our junior highs, high school, elementaries, all of our teachers, if you're a teacher, would you please stand? Ladies and gentlemen, would you look around this room at how many educators, how many teachers? Aren't we thankful there's this many... My, my, my. <clears throat> I want you to stay standing. I've got some, I've got some young ministers that are going to help me tonight. You're going to come on down quickly and, and help me. There's a candy bar that was developed in the 1960s. Started calling it the $100,000 bar. You know, there were some DJs that got in big trouble along the way. One DJ got on a two-week spiel and said, we're giving away a hundred grand. Did this whole deal, whole deal. At the end of the two-week deal, the lady that won, they gave her a hundred grand. Candy bar. Brother Mash, she sued him. She did not win. But she had a case. There's no way to give you what you're worth. But I promise you this. I promise you this. Every educator in this room, you're worth a hundred grand plus. You're worth it. You're worth it. Brother Healy, here's what I can't do. I can't walk around and give everybody in the room a hundred grand. But I can tell you this. You are, this is my reminder to you. You are educating for eternity. 
talk to you as a pastor and a dad for a moment. It gets overwhelming at times. Some of you in here, you teach younger children. Oh, may God be with you. Some of you teach instruments. Sister Means, I've talked to education. Sister Means, sometimes I love her passion for it. Sister Means, I'm just, I can't do some of the things you do. I'm not gifted for it. I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to. Thank you. I don't want to. But we need you. We need you. We need you to be able to walk into those situations. Brother Kilman, I've had meetings with people that you've taught this year that when they showed up to Bible college, they didn't even understand. They didn't even understand the oneness of God. Sister Mass, young ladies that showed up that didn't, didn't have any worth or self-worth. Or... Educators all over this room, I want you to hear me right now. What you're doing is not in vain. Sister Kendrick, it's not in vain. I know there's some times, I know there's some times it probably feels thankless. Maybe I get a witness from a teacher. Is there a teacher in here who's ever thought, man, this feels thankless? Is there, you're standing anyway. Is there a teacher in here that's ever thought about giving up? I have. You ever walked out of a class and been like, they don't even care. What am I doing with my life? I could be on a beach somewhere right now. But here's the truth. Education matters. I'm asking every teacher that's willing and able, would you come and join me at the front of this building? Come to the altar. Come to this altar right now. Come and stand with me. I'm done. I'm closing. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Robert Rakes in the 1700s. I wanted to talk about the institution of Sunday school and the chief. Here's what I want to really say to every member of Calvary Tabernacle that's involved in educating children in any way, in any manner, at any age, at any level. Here's my admonition to you. Teach with proficiency. Teach with excellence. Teach with compassion. But teach with anointing. Whether it's reading, writing, arithmetic. Whether you're teaching the youngest of children. Or that college age student. At every level. Let us keep in the back of our minds and in the forefront even of who we are. This message is bigger than me. I know I'm teaching them today about long division. I, I understand that we're working on geometry. Maybe, Brother Rozier, we're working through some of the, uh, uh, the historical elements even of art, and, and we're talking about history. Maybe I understand that, but regardless of what the topic, there can be something about you as an educator that's different 
than every other educator. Would you lift your hands right now? Church family, I want you to stand and I want you to stretch your hands forward towards them. Would you do that right now? I want you to pray that they would feel strength and fulfillment. Some of these teachers, you might not know it, but some of these teachers have been in a real battle. They've been in a real battle mentally, emotionally, physically. They've been in a battle for their health. Some of them have been in a battle in their home. Come on, some of them have been just a little bit psychologically overwhelmed, mentally drained. Would you pray right now? Come on, church, I want you to lift your voice and pray for strength and favor. Pray that God would give them grace. Give them grace and give them mercy. Give them anointing. Brother Anderson, I can't imagine how many times that you've, that you've shown them, shown some freshmen how to, how to work the numbers. For some of them, the first time they've ever heard it called anything by number. Music theory introduced for the first time. It sounds like a theory, all right. But I wonder how many of those students who couldn't barely find middle C when they got here. How many have now sat on our general conferences? Sat on the platform of our North American Youth Congress. Sat in our camps. We have students, young adults and students from this very church that will be leading the way at our camps this year. That didn't happen accidentally. That was Education. Intentional leadership for so many years. My closing remarks here tonight. We have to be educators in the home. We have to be educators in the home. We must train. I'm going to say something really big and really important. This is a save the best for last kind of a thing, so don't miss this. What happens if churches cannot gather? What would happen to us if the internet did not work? Do we teach it enough in our homes that we would not lose momentum? The Word. Yes, I want my children educated here. My youngest being nine, I want him educated in kids' church how to pray and sing and, and teach. And my, my next one who's only, uh, you know, 12 years old, I, yeah, I want her to learn in, in, in preteens and in, in, in the, in the young, young people's room. I want Carver and Canaan as they're getting, yeah, I want them to be taught but I want them to know what it means to pray at home and to seek God at home. 
They're not confused if they walk into the living room and dad is sitting there in that spot of the couch that has an indentation that's dad's indentation. They know what that's doing, Brother Mass. They know what I'm doing in that spot. When they walk there in the morning, when they walk by in the afternoon, if I'm there, they know what dad's doing. Dad's in the Word. Dad's seeking God. I don't want them to think that the only place I seek God. The most important education is education that transcends a building and moves into our homes. It would make no sense if you could only read in the school building, but then once you got home, you were not allowed. Translate that to how many people live in their relationship with God outside the structure of this building. We must continue to have His Word in our homes. Would you pray that as a final prayer with us before we dismiss tonight? Would you lift your hands all over this building and pray that every man, that every woman in this room, every child in this room, that we would be both an educator and the educated. Would you pray that with me right now, that the Word would find lodging in our hearts and lodging in our homes. Let your Word find lodging in our hearts and lodging in our homes. Let us talk about your word at our house. Let us discuss your word in our house. Let us have prayer in our home. Let us not reserve all of our powerful prayer for when we gather in our communal gatherings here at the church. Let us have homes where the education of God's word continues.